As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge on the landscape. The EV Power podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. And welcome to the EV Power podcast brought to you by the folks at RPM News Weekly. And that includes myself, Peter, and my co-host, Rich. Hello. How's uh, everything today? Good, good. We're up to uh, episode three. You know, it's amazing. It feels yeah. like it feels like only three weeks ago that we started this project, and now we're up to episode three. So sure. Well, there's a lot of other stuff that's been going on behind the <laughs> scenes to get the website website going, uh, line up some interviews for the future. Uh, I think things are moving along really smoothly. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback, a lot of encouragement. So I oh, think good. we're in, in good shape. Good, good. I uh glad to hear it. I mean, yeah, I was on checking on the old Facebook and, and I saw some pretty nice responses from the the people at uh, the New England Motor Press, which is good. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, really good. And hopefully, you know, like you said, we'll be getting some people in, well, not in, but uh, you know, some people on the phone or on the line or on the Zoom, whatever you're using these days to talk about electric vehicles and such. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, you know, this week there's been a uh you know, a, I don't know, what is it called a milestone or or uh, just a sort of a big debut with the with the Hummer, the Hummer EV. They're, you know, they're not only are they relaunching the Hummer brand, which was of course notorious for being a polluter. I mean, if you remember back in the day, the the Hummer was like the the lightning rod of of green car hatred. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Quite it was quite the beast and quite the the, the gas guzzler. Right, and people were were breaking windows in parking lots and keying them, and you know, it was just like I said, it was just a, uh, sort of a big total, unnecessary vehicle. But total total hundred eighty here, they've gone yeah. all electric with the, the new Hummer, but they haven't sacrificed much uh, or anything in terms of power, at least at least the numbers that the GM is putting out. But we're going oh, to get yeah. into that. We're going to get more into that after we kind of talk about a subject that under underpins the Hummer. And that's the Ultium Drive, uh, which will be the drive electric drive unit that GM is going to use moving forward for all of their brands. And uh, they've put a lot of time and effort into it. I suppose you know the learning curve there that uh, with some of the other efforts they've had in the all-electric arena uh, with the Chevy Volt, uh, the Chevy Bolt, um, and then some other vehicles that they've had that have used some form of uh, hybrid uh, system. But uh, this is just like this is a totally new thing, the Ultium Drive, and uh, it really comprises five interchangeable drive units and three motors. So uh, it's a very scalable system that they set up, so that they'll be able to move it uh, across the whole lineup of cars and trucks, and uh, uh, be able to not have to uh, you know to to use parts that are similar in 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 each of the vehicles, and not have to keep reinventing the wheel. Uh, and building systems from from scratch, uh, they'll have this uh, this core system that uh, can be adaptable for front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, or all wheel drive, or four wheel drive uh, systems. Yeah, it's uh, it's not related to the Bolt though, right? I'm not sure how if the Bolt is sort of a last generation version. I, of this. I think it is really a a, a complete uh, overhaul. Uh, you know, it, it, in all aspects, is that uh, it improves on uh, the previous performance, uh, the scale, uh, the speed to market, uh, manufacturing efficiencies that that are available. Uh, so very different than than even the Bolt, uh, which will probably be redesigned 
uh, for its next generation using this Ultium drive unit. So uh, maybe we can get a little bit more specific uh, with it. Uh, GM led the design and development, but they're working with a company called Analog Devices uh, for one part of the system, which is uh, called the uh, Wireless Battery Management System, or the uh, lowercase w, uppercase BMS, as, B, as GM is referring to it. Uh, it's a, sort of a versatile system that uh, is able to accommodate different brands and, and the vehicle segments very easily. And it provides a wireless access point uh, to the battery uh, system itself. And uh, that will allow them to make wireless updates uh, through a customer's phone if there were some software updates that need to be done to the battery system. And it gives them some other uh, ways in which to manage the uh, uh, efficiency of the system or to re redirect uh, how the energy is being used or stored uh, on any particular system. So it's, it's, uh, from, from what they're talking about, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big step for them because this represents what they're, they're banking their entire future on. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it sort of gets away from their last partner was uh, LG Chem. You know, they had a big hand in the bolt. Although GM, I think, claimed that they they actually built the traction motors and designed the battery management themselves. But I think LG, if I'm not mistaken, I think they even built the bolt for GM. So a lot of this brings it in house. And and like you said, either, you know, there is another. There is there are two generations of the bolt coming, or two versions of the bolt coming. From what I remember, I think there's a next generation. The, the, what they have now and then there's going to be an SUV version uh, which is uh, hopefully they name it something else because it gets a little confusing if everything's called mm -hmm. the Bolt it's going to be kind of confusing but you know Analog Devices you know they're, they're a Boston based company they, they started in Cambridge uh, they're actually their headquarters is over in Norwood Mass actually but they started in Cambridge a long time ago they've been around for a long time they, they're like a, a they make like uh, semiconductors and and, and um, signal processors and all kinds of like uh, mm. computer related products you know as far as like com communication you know computer well that explains something about their name uh, when I first read their name analog devices I was thinking well this kind of goes harkens back to uh, electrical systems that were more analog than di digital uh, but presuming of course that it's, uh, it's just the name of the con company that they're doing a lot more than just analog uh, devices <laughs> right yeah it's, it, you know that's true actually analog devices is kind of a funny name for a company that that built semiconductors as a main product uh, right some uh, state-of-the-art company <laughs> yeah. but you know a, a, uh, analog still comes into play in, in, in uh, certain things I suppose that maybe in some of the the systems that they're using that it still makes some sense for the, for them to hold on to that name uh, but uh, you know I mean as it applies to to the Ultium drive uh, you know th there's I guess some of the things that GM is trumpeting with this new drive is that uh, uh, it's 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 so scalable that they can put it into all of their cars or many of their cars because it's the 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 cells them, themselves are, are like a large format pouch kind of a cell and they can stack them either vertically or horizontally uh, inside the battery pack uh, and you know so this gives them a lot of flexibility and when they're designing the the architecture of a vehicle as to how to use them but it it also means that they don't have to keep redesigning the the battery pack 
uh, for each car or, and all of the attendant electrical systems for it so that it, it, it just simplifies things. In fact, uh, they, they're claiming that they, they've reduced the amount of wiring in the system by about 90% over what they had to use in some of their earlier EVs. So, I mean, that's pretty significant. It, you know, it makes room for more batteries if they want uh, with less wires. Uh, also reduces some of the weight in the car. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, got, I, I got a real sense that, that, that they're really serious about this at this point in time. Uh, you know, there's been such a slow learning curve on EVs in general. Uh, although, you know, obviously there are some manufacturers like Tesla that, that have really zoomed ahead. Uh, and maybe the, the writing was on the wall, and so a company like GM, they don't want to get caught on the wrong side of history. Apparently, they've been developing this for a while. Yeah. It, it seems like they were in you know, a quiet mode. You, know, you didn't really hear much about it. Uh, I guess they were waiting for a time when they could really have something to, to that everyone could applaud. Uh, and it's an interesting choice to go with the Hummer as, as their, really their first vehicle out of the box for a couple of reasons. One of them is, is that that's, it's going to be a 2022 model, but it's going to be under the GMC brand. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, is, is that the Hummer had a notoriety for being a gas culter, and, and this is going to be their uh, all-electric first uh, edition model, edition one. Uh, but it's it, it's I, when I first watched some of the, the videos, uh, granted, a lot of it was animation, but it was it, it does kind of blow you away when you see what they put into the makings of this vehicle. Uh, you you got to wonder whether or not they were getting a little scared about uh, some of the up, upstarts like uh, Rivian. They were producing trucks and and uh, well, they're working with Nicola, uh, so. Uh, so that's that, that that but they've Nicola's got a truck that's coming out and so there was a lot of uh, be, uh, presumably because the market for trucks is very rich and uh, you know so they needed to be somewhere and and, and we know also that the Ford has announced a, a, an all-electric f-150 that's supposed to be coming out in a, another year or two yeah uh, uh, you know you know it's it's funny when you mention history and GM being on the wrong side of the history I mean they they already are on the wrong side of history when it comes to EV cars if you remember the EV1 controversy, you know, they were they were there. They were building electric cars and and you know, what is this going back to the, the the development of that probably back into the 80s. And of course the battery tech wasn't there to do what they're doing now, so you can't blame them in that regard, but you know, when they had the EV1 on the road and then they they recalled them all back and crushed them, you know, people were pretty pretty peeved at that, you know, people wanted to keep them. They didn't want to give them back. And uh, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah. and then it didn't help that, you know, footage of them being actually being crushed in the junkyard was leaked out so you know they got sort of a black eye on that and and really didn't get them anything i i imagine as far as is you know learning because they never did anything further with electric vehicles until until tesla came out and then you know bob lutz wanted a vehicle to compete with tesla so they came out with the chevy volt and uh even though that wasn't a pure battery electric but uh you know the um like I said, the Hummer, yeah, it's definitely a, an interesting choice, but I think it's sort of a, a strategic choice too, because if you're if you're GM and you're putting out this new technology, you don't want to put this in your Silverado, you know. I don't think you want to put this in your in your you know GMC Sierra right off the bat because it might not get picked up or maybe it falls flat, you know. I think it's and then on top of that, you know, we mentioned Rivian, that's a lifestyle truck, you know, the Tesla Cybertruck is a lifestyle truck, so when you get the uh, so what are they going to, you know, 
you don't want to put it in your work truck and you don't also don't want to compete with your work truck. So they put out a lifestyle truck that's going to compete with Rivian and Tesla and uh, it'll prove their technology. And then if that works out and they get the system down and it all works properly, then they can move it to the Silverado or some alternative that's going to come out. Although I can't picture them wanting to put out a new a new work truck, but it's eventually going to scale down that way. And if you look at how Tesla grew, you know, they started out with a luxury sedan. I mean, well, I mean, the Roadster was before that, but that was sort of kind of a proof of concept. But they started out with a luxury sedan that cost more. And then they learned and, and worked down to the Model 3 where they are now. And now they're talking about, you know, moving on to a $25,000 car because they've figured out the process. They've made it more efficient. They've developed their drive systems. They developed their batteries. And now their cost of scale, you know, it, it, it's gone down. Well, it is pretty smooth how they've uh, put this out there. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I think that there's, they're trying to grab some excitement, uh, especially in the way in which they produce some of the videos that, that are being shown. Uh, if you go to their website, you can see some of that. Uh, in the, the, if you go to the GMC website, or, or just, you know, the Hummer, Hummer EV, if you type that into your, into your browser, you'll get it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with the Hummer, though, you know, I mean, he, he, here's some of the numbers that, will you know, make you, it'll make your head spin actually to think about this you know and and this is part of why you know it's it's so smooth that they they were able to sort of keep this under wraps there wasn't a lot of information coming out uh even you know like sort of like the the speculation and it's just like they almost in a way came out of the blue with this uh it's, a, it's sort of a surprise uh, and <laughs> you know they're not leaving uh any stone unturned when it comes to uh, surprise. Uh, here's a vehicle that uh, they're boasting that they've estimated that it will have 1,000 horsepower and that the combined axle torque going around the car will be 11,500 pound-feet of torque. I know that. <laughs> you know, this is, it's almost like in that silly, silly range, you know, like, okay. Uh, I mean, not that there was anything about being silly if you needed that kind of torque. But, you know, it's like that number is just so outlandish in comparison to uh, talk numbers that you would ordinarily hear, even from some of the, the big, big, you know, performance cars. Yeah. Uh, th that is so remarkable from, you know, that's like diesel numbers from, you know, big diesel. Uh, it's, it's just an incredible number. So uh, you know, they, they need to explain a little bit about when they're saying it's the combined axle torque. Yeah. Because the, you know, the, the system, in the, as, as I've learned from, from uh, their press releases, that uh, the Hummer EV Edition 1 has is that it's a uh, three-motor Ultium drive system. Uh, the, the up front, the drive system up front has a single electric motor, and uh, so it will pile both wheels up front. Uh, you can lock the uh, uh, differential so that you know, you'll end up uh, you know, basically having a, a, a lock system if you want it up, up in the front. Uh, but uh, the rear uh, drive system uh, has actually two motors in it, uh, presumably one for each uh, side of the vehicle or each wheel on, on each side of the vehicle. But that can also be locked. So they have what they're calling an, an E four-wheel drive where uh, ostensibly the system is four-wheel drive uh, but not a mechanically, completely mechanically driven system as, as you ordinarily expect in four-wheel drive. They can uh, 
make it so that the the two motors in the back are, are delivering the same power to each wheel on each side and likewise uh, through the electronics to be matched with a system up front so that you have in practice four-wheel drive uh, but it's certainly a different way of, of making that happen uh, some of the some of the other uh, facets too that I find kind of interesting is that it's a uh, capable for 800 it's capable of, of uh, being paired up with uh, an 800 volt charging system and uh, a DC fast charging uh, but in its ordinary charging mode it would be a 400 volt system so that it'll work with uh, some of the all the charging units that you, that you usually find around uh, or even some home charging systems if you, if you decide to put something at, at home uh, in your garage uh, but it will bump up to the 800 volt system and, and remarkably uh, GM claims that with the 800 volt DC fast charging that you can recharge the battery for 100 miles of range in 10 minutes mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of really uh, uh, turns uh, you know, turns things upside down in that respect as well and how fast uh, you know you can get some uh, fuel so to speak back into the car and uh, get going again if you're if you need if you're in a rush uh, so uh, that, that, that's pretty cool uh, I think it's a it, they, they've really done something that will generate attention uh, and I think you're right about you know with the idea of using the Hummer uh, you know everyone had such a bad feeling about or many people had a bad feeling about the the, the way in which the Hummer was was like like overkill in all respects you know yeah. uh, that uh, you know to, to come back with it as uh, the complete opposite in terms of fuel consumption to be using electricity and being an all-electric all system so uh, here's the future <laughs> yeah I mean and, and I think that the I think the um, the Porsche Taycan uses an 800 volt system if I'm not mistaken uh, when it comes to that and and but are there chargers out there right now that can you can actually take advantage of that some of these vehicles are like oh we could charge this 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 and this but but is the is the public infrastructure there for it you know as a matter of fact i don't even know what did they mention whether or not they're partnering with with an ev charging company i don't remember seeing that uh... no i haven't either they, they might be but I, I haven't either but i would imagine that you know seeing they up the the electronic and telecommunications throughout the whole system of this vehicle that that would make perfect sense that somewhere when you tap into your uh, programming on the on on your touchscreen that you'll have a, a, a gps located charging stations come right up you know, that it, within 25 30 50 miles of, of where your car is located one of the problems is that, like when you get all these ev startups you know lucid's coming out with a car that i think they're powered with partnered with with electrify america and volkswagen of course is power is, is paying for electrify america so all these these new startups and even legacy manufacturers keep coming out with partnerships with Electrify America, and it's like, if all these things come through, what is what is the weight going to be in an Electrify America station, you know, to charge a car? What is that going to look like in two years if they don't start? I mean, they have a lot now, but you know, they're not they're still not as um, widespread as is like Tesla just to because you know because Tesla was smart, they knew they needed to have this 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 EV charging structure in place before you could sell cars. 
and and a lot of people made fun of them for that or or, or criticize them for it saying oh what are you gonna you know why are you building so much you know power stations if you're not selling cars you know they build power sta- they build charging stations in areas where they don't even sell cars but you know mm-hmm. i, I kind of hope that that they're also besides the fact that we're looking at building all these cars which is great i, I kind of hope that they take a serious look at what we have now for chargers i mean there's only one there's only like a handful of dc fast chargers around me i think i think the closest one is is like an hour away <laughs> so mm-hmm. and, and it's always busy ironically is always tesla's on it and it's not it's a uh, charge point station but but it happens <laughs> to be it happens to be a free charge point station but there's always well that's why well it's funny because there's you know there's a I've been there a few times when we've gotten test cars in that are electric. I've stopped at this this uh, station, and there's every time there's there's somebody there. It's it's been the same two people on, driving Teslas, and you know, if you're driving a hundred and twenty thousand dollar Model X, you can afford to charge at a Tesla station, <laughs> and it's always the same guy, which leads me to believe he's probably running some sort of you know courier business or delivery business, and uh-huh. he's using this free charge point station. But that's a whole side rant for another time. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Did we get into like the 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 whole rundown of the Ultium motors, or or did we kind of stray off of that and go right into the Hummer? I don't. Uh, well, there might be some more uh, to talk about. Uh, I mean, we did talk a little bit about that the the wiring is very different. There's yeah. fewer wires. Uh, one of the interesting things that uh, GM talks about too is, is a second life usage of power supplies. Uh, which I find sort of interesting, not, not our ordinarily talked about very much uh, when someone's putting a car out. Uh, but uh, what they're talking about is is that uh, uh, because uh, uh, of the nature of these batteries, that even as a second life usage, once uh, they're not able to be recharged enough to make it efficient for your vehicle for a vehicle to be used uh, with with the uh, with the batteries. That, uh, that apparently these will have better second life usage. Uh, uh, so uh, that's kind of a, a, a good point. I mean, because there is some uh, talk about uh, what happens, you know, with all these batteries once we're done with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do we re- how do we recycle them? Uh, well, I, I guess this sort of pushes the question a little bit down the road or for a, a bit further because uh, they get a second life. Uh, uh, because of the nature in which they can be combined, they don't have to be re- retrofitted uh, in in uh, costly ways to make them usable as as power supplies. Uh, particularly because of the modular nature that they have and the way in which they've designed the electronics. So I, I find that kind of fascinating. So this uh, you know, it's a little bit more heads up as to uh, what do we do with these things down the road. As far as uh, the way, uh, as far as the way they're building them. Uh, the design and production is all in-house. Uh, I guess GM really likes that whole vertical notion, uh, but the, the parts are, are globally sourced. So, uh, uh, so it's kind of a, a you know, it's what everyone does in automotive. You know, yeah. every car you buy, there's so many of the parts are, are sourced from around the globe. Right. Uh, I, right. I. Uh... And, and as far as battery recycling goes, you're going to see that grow alongside of the EV market because it's just going to be a necessary thing. And and you are starting to see that there are different companies arising that are specializing in in battery recycling and figuring out new ways to to recycle these batteries. But but you're right, 
it, it's nice to give them a second life as maybe a power supply because they can handle that even though they're not fit to to power a car or they can't take that sort of stress anymore they are perfect for for you know keeping your home powered at night or if you have solar and you can charge these things and and that industry is mm-hmm. growing too i mean that's another thing that you know tesla's been involved in but not just them there's other companies that that are getting into home battery storage and so i think that you're going to see that as a big thing and it's going to seriously reduce the need for like a power grid as more and more of these houses adapt solar and have their own battery supply at night and uh just to get mm-hmm. just to touch back on like the whole drive unit like the ultium drive units there's five different versions so they're also um looking at it from a, a platform like just a mechanical platform point of view these these they have drive units for different sort of configurations they have a they have a rear wheel drive platform they have an, an all-wheel drive platform they have a front-wheel drive platform although i think that uh, i think electric motors sort of make front-wheel drive irrelevant you know if you can have two motors one on each end you can sort of do all-wheel drive now in anything you know think of it even the smallest car with, with if it goes all electric can have all-wheel drive quite easily i think the toyota rav4 is a good uh, the RAV4 hybrid is a good example of that. It has the the front wheel drive hybrid system, but it also has the little motor in the back that powers the rear wheel drive. Even the Prius, actually, come to think of it, the Prius now has mm-hmm. e all wheel drive, and it works really good. It doesn't work all the time. It's not like a, a a truck that it's on all the time, but it helps you launch in like say a bad a slippery scenario, or you know if you're on a slippery icy road, it it gives that power to the back wheels when you need it. So, uh, but as far as these drive units go it's interesting like you you know pointed out the hummer is going to have a three motor drive unit and and they're a little vague you know i was talking about this before we were talking about this um i was a little disappointed with the presentation from gm i would have liked to seen a little bit more sort of plans or specifications and and plans beyond the the initial uh, version which is what the what do they call it the uh the show the show car the prototype no, 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 <laughs> the, the edition one so they're starting out with the edition one so that's going to be the highest cost version and that's what everybody's doing these days you know lucid starting out with the highest every time somebody rolls out a new model now they're high you know they're rolling out the highest one first i think even the volkswagen id3 is like the higher edition even though it's, it's, it is an economy mm-hmm. car so yeah. to speak so but they don't really get into details about what's coming after that um are they going to do a, a dual motor version because you know the edition one is is a three motor so will there be a a less expensive dual motor which will still have all-wheel drive it's just not as as powerful of a system and and will there be a rear-wheel drive version you know i i don't think so because this is like i said a lifestyles truck and i don't see why they would put it'd be like putting two-wheel drive on a wrangler you know there's no it's not going to happen yeah you know (laughs) um but the um yeah, so I, I wish they were a little bit forthcoming with the details, but you know they're probably still working it out themselves. They just want to get this out there, and uh, yeah, the production production is not going to begin until late twenty twenty one. Right, they're still building that factory uh, at the moment. So right, so well, they've got a couple of factories that are going to do that. Right, there's the GM factory zero in in uh, uh, Detroit area, uh, and then they build it. And I think there's something, to, you know, back to Lordstown, uh, there, there's something that's going on in Lordstown, too, that, that it's, has to do with maybe the, the battery manufacturing. I'd have, to, uh, I'd have to double check on that. That is their battery factory that they're building, uh, which is weird because, you know, they, they, they basically handed Lordstown Motors their old factory, and now they're building a new battery factory right behind it. <laughs> so it's kind of, a, it's kind of an old uh, 
I mean, kind of an odd, odd choice, you know, you moved out, but yeah, that, that Detroit hammer track assembly plant, that's going to be their, um, I think that's going to be like their flagship, uh, EV plant. And I think it's going to be mostly focused on trucks. And if you think about it, that's going to be, it's really going to be as EVs grow, you know, if, if they're focusing on trucks, they're going to probably have a lot to, you know, they're going to need a lot of space at that place because, uh, it's not only the the Sierra and the and the Silverado. You're also looking at the full size SUVs like the Suburban and the Tahoe, and, and those are all going to have to go right. electric. They're all going to have to follow suit, especially if California sticks you know sticks by its guns and and demands all cars are all electric. All these vehicles are going to have to be electrified. So this Hummer really is sort of the the genesis of their EV program because it's going to spawn so many different variants eventually. No question. And, you know, it's all part of an effort, you know, as we move towards, you know, zero emissions. Uh, they're calling the factory factory zero, not just because of the cars that will be zero emission cars that are coming out of the factory, but also because the factory itself is being designed uh, to be a zero emission uh, facility. So uh, so there, uh, it's good to see that uh, major manufacturers kind of uh, gotten the message and is and is moving in that direction. It's, uh, it's certainly going to be to everyone's benefit, and, and I'm sure it'll be to their benefit as well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the, oh, I'm sorry, go on. Uh, the, yeah, well, the, well, there's a couple of other things, you know, just maybe to kind of, um, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not wanting to use the metaphor switch gears. Hmm. Uh, uh, we use that so often, but... Uh, and you'll be switching gears, uh, so to speak, and, and, and I mean, there'll still be some mechanical, there has to be some mechanical components that we'll still see in, in these vehicles. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a big change as far as uh, how, how how we look at things, you know, and, and it also includes, uh, you know, our understanding of fuel and understanding of uh, power, you know, where we'll be talking more in terms of kilowatt hours when we're talking about voltage. Uh, we won't be talking so much about uh, uh, gallons and, and uh, you know, the, uh, MPG. Uh, you know, we'll be doing, uh, you know, MPGE, a little bit more of that. So, uh, uh, and, and even to understand some of the, you know, the basic aspects of, elect- of electrical design. Uh, when I mentioned a little bit earlier about the 100 miles of range in 10 minutes, part of that is due uh, to a system with the, that they have uh, in uh, this particular Hummer. Uh, and, well, actually, it's part of the, the system for, for their battery management uh, that uh, will allow them to switch from parallel to series. Uh, you know, so obviously, folks who know a little bit about electricity understand what that, that's going to mean. Uh, but that's what enables them to be able to uh, push so much juice into the, the battery so quickly, into the, into the cells so, so quickly, uh, the, a certain collection of cells so that they can... Uh, ramp it up to uh, 100 miles of range in, in such a short period of time in, in 10 minutes uh, so that's that's kind of a, that's a new facet of of uh, uh, how they're going to be charging the cars uh, but but let's go a little bit more into something that uh, you know that I'm very happy with Peter uh, having come up with a term called the EQ factor and what it means we were both noticing that uh, uh, this was going back already at least uh, four or five years that uh, as the use of MPGE came to the forefront uh, there wasn't uh, actually a, a, a especially even with that you, you weren't really getting in an especially good way of being able to 
get a good sense of what the cost uh, was going to uh, was going to be for your car. You know, you know, okay, well, this car gets 110 mpge. My car used to get only 40 mpg. You know, are you saving? You know three times as much by, by going with the electric car. It's not, doesn't quite work out that way. And that, it's mostly because the, uh, the, the cost of gasoline and the cost of electricity for the same amount of energy is different. Uh, you know, and, and electrical costs vary uh, much differently around the country than do gasoline prices, even though gasoline prices vary as well. So I thought that must be a way of kind of visualizing that, uh, you know, because we know when we when we go to the pump, uh, you know, we, we kind of get uh, we have a, a we have a natural understanding after all these years of driving cars that run on gasoline as to what it costs on you know any given day or at least any given week, uh, more or less what it costs for a gallon of gasoline. So we can kind of budget uh, accordingly. Uh, but I think it's a little bit more difficult with electric because we're not so familiar with keeping track of all that. Uh, in fact, I bet if you asked a lot of people, you know, what it costs them per kilowatt hour for their electricity, they'd shrug their shoulders. Uh, that's my guess. Uh, I mean, I, Very I, likely. I, I don't. I, <laughs> Very. I don't mean that as I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean, as a, it's just an observation. I think. No, it's absolutely it, true. It, it's, it, uh, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I have no idea to be honest. I just pay the bill when it comes in. I don't look at it. Um, and, and then when you look at your bill too, it's just that you know you've got a cost for the kilowatt hours, but then there's some other you know distribution costs and there's other other things that are figured in there. So you, you can arrive at a price though to, uh, what it costs you per kilowatt hour uh, for your electricity, and it can vary you know from anywhere anywhere from from around uh, ten cents a kilowatt hour uh, upwards of twenty or more. So that's a pretty wide range when you think that you're really doubling the cost of, of electricity, depending on which municipality you might live in, um, and how how you know, how your electricity is getting to you. Uh, and then again, of course, you've got people now who are using solar, so uh, you know they've got some reductions in their costs based on 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 that too. So uh, what I wanted to do uh, was to create a, a, an easy way uh, of for people to determine uh, what the cost benefits were for themselves uh, in, in a way that they you know really know uh, you know so that it, w w in other words how it affects their wallet the, the actual wallet they have in their pocket uh, so I created this EQ factor and you can look uh, look it up on our website at RPM News Weekly uh, and I'm going to post it again on uh, the EV Power podcast we have a few additional pages if you go to the website version of the EV Power podcast that will give you information about electric vehicles and other information uh, and of course you can uh, view, uh, view uh, you can listen to the audio uh, for the EV Power podcast on the site as well as going to Stitcher and look up EV Power podcast uh, so there's several different ways uh, there'll be more in the future as well so the EQ factor uh, Ur the Urban Dictionary lists it, uh, and this was an entry that I had posted on the Urban Dictionary, as the ratio of the cost of a gallon of gasoline to the cost of an equivalent amount of electrical energy. All right, so uh, you have to kind of start somewhere. So uh, how, ma how many BTUs are there? And, and a BTU, for those who might not be that familiar with it, is it's a measure of energy, and it's a, and it's a, a British thermal unit. Uh, and that's equivalent to how much energy it takes to 
raise a gallon of water one degree Fahrenheit. So uh, anyway, so how, mu- how much energy, how many BTUs are there in a gallon of gasoline? Uh, so starting with a number of, of 115,000 BTUs, uh, which is an approximation uh you know, the, you'll find other numbers if you search the internet, you know, 116, 114 point something. Uh, so let's start with 115,000 BTUs, which is equivalent to uh, 33.7 kilowatt hours. Uh, and that's basically, uh, you know, if you, if you uh, end up dividing uh, what, uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, a number of BTUs that, that are in a kilowatt hour. Uh, all right, so you you, do, you end up uh, getting to that number. So the EQ factor, it's uh, it's used to determine how many miles you'll get uh, in an electric vehicle for the same dollars spent on a gallon of gasoline. So so that's the, that's what's different about working with the EQ factor and why it's important is is that uh, uh, so how many miles will you get? an electric vehicle for the same dollars you spent on a gallon of gasoline, because I think that's what we'll more or less understand. If it costs you $2.10 for a gallon of gasoline, uh, how many miles will you get, okay, in an electric vehicle for that same amount of money? So that's way different, all right, than uh, just using the MPG E figure. Yeah, uh, because that doesn't account. You know, it's it's a way in which you know the EPA, you know, kind of wanted to make things even. You know, you'd understand you know, how many miles per gallon, but but it didn't relate to what people usually think about. I don't. I didn't think it did, and and that's where we had our discussions years back, which led me to, to come up with this this EQ factor. Um, you know, because the MPG doesn't account for, uh, for price differences between gasoline and electricity. So to figure the EQ factor, you first calculate the cost of an equivalent amount of electrical energy in, in your location. All right. So uh, you multiply that number 33.7 kilowatt hours by the cost per kilowatt hour of electricity, including any of the delivery charges uh, if you have um, in your location. And you and you can call it, if you want, just as a shorthand, so that uh, you can remember, you can call it the, the, the cost of a gallon of electricity. So now you know what a gallon of electricity will cost you. All right. Uh, and so you take the cost of a gallon of electricity in your, in your location and you divide it by the cost of, uh, I'm sorry, you take the cost of a gallon of gasoline in your locale and you divide it by the cost of a gallon of electricity to get the EQ factor. All right, so that EQ factor changes depending on the price of gasoline and electricity. And uh, with that, you can now determine uh, what, you, what you really want to know, which is uh, for the same amount of money, for that dollar you spent on a gallon of gasoline, uh, how many miles will you get in your electric vehicle? Uh, so uh, there's, uh, you, you may find that it's surprising that it's, you know, there's certainly a savings in general with, with going, going electric. But that gap is a little bit closer than, than what you would ordinarily think. You know, when you look at just the difference between, let's say, your vehicle getting 40 miles per gallon versus one seeing that uh, an electric vehicle gets 110 miles per gallon equivalent, you know, it, it appears on the surface that there's a, a huge difference and that you're going to be saving huge tons of money. Uh, you will be saving, uh, but it's a lot closer uh, uh, to you know, the, the numbers are a lot closer than it would 
you would think by just looking at that number, uh, the MPGE. So keep that in mind, folks. Uh, it's, it's important uh, that we kind of begin to think a little differently about how, uh, how we're going to measure our, our expenses. Uh, and that we're certainly all, all getting, getting there with uh, uh, these changes and these new electric vehicles that we see coming, in, coming out every week. Like you said, you can go on to RPM News Weekly and uh, check out that formula. But, uh, you know, if you're going to do an update on the, the article, you should actually put in an example, you know, maybe kind of write out a little example based on, you know, your area or what have you. But, you know, it would be really nice if you could take this, if you could take it um, and turn this into a, an easy calculator. I wonder if, there's, you know, there's a way we could plug that onto the site. So, so somebody could easily come to the site. You plug in a gallon of gas, you plug in your electric costs, and then you plug in the vehicle, and all that stuff would factor out for you and tell you what you're going to get. That's a great idea. We've got an API going on the site that'll, that'll allow people to do that. I think that's, that's wonderful. That'd be, that'd be interesting. I think people would be pretty surprised, actually, if they could go on there and just easily plug that in and, and get an idea of what. Yeah, it'd be a great service. I will look into that. We'll write that down in our notes here uh, as we learn new things, even as we as we speak. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll just brainstorm on the air. Um, so I guess uh, you know, I guess that wraps it up for this week's EV Power podcast. Though, although before we go, I do want to go circle back really quick to the Hummer. One one key detail that everybody has missed on this on this Hummer, which as a child of the '80s makes me pretty happy, they're bringing back the T-top. Right. Oh, really? Nobody, yeah, no, that's right. No, nobody said anything about this. The, the Hummer has T tops in the back. Well, actually, actually, come to think of it, they bring it back the Targa top, although that never really left. I mean, there's still cars that have that. They bring back the Targa top and the T top. So you get the front has a Targa top, Targa, uh, Targa type top, and then the the back has the glass T tops, which make me happy. I just got to say, you know. Yeah. Well, and and here's something really new about that. They're stowable in the front. In the yeah. trunk, yeah, as yeah. they say, it's it's pretty big. I actually managed to find a picture online of of that uh, front trunk open, and it actually is a pretty nice space. Um, the whole front sort of opens with it, so um, you know, the, again, again, GM's not putting out numbers, uh, pictures of that, but somebody online either leaked them or, or oh, Inside EVs actually posted a picture of it. So the entire grill section lifts up with it, and and it, and it creates like a nice open trunk. Well, here's something for our performance enthusiast listeners, and that's that the uh, Hummer is estimated by GM to get from zero to 60 miles per hour in approximately three seconds. <laughs> that's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. I think that's where, like, Lucid Motors is, isn't it, right now? Isn't that what the Lucid Air is going to do? Right. Oh, that's, that's like 2.7 right. seconds, I think. Big deal. You know, I, I love to hear the numbers, but in reality, a, a lot of the stuff is just beyond what even the average Joe needs. You know, you hear about Tesla with the ludicrous mode and, and people rush out to get that. Uh, you know, now everybody wants the new plaid powertrain. But regardless, they, they want, you know, the, the, the most powerful version of it. And it's sort of like the Hellcat. You know, we've had this conversation about the Hellcat. Right. You know, everybody's like, oh, I want the Dodge Hellcat. I got to get the, the, the best of the best. But then when you drive the, the lower trims, you drive the, um, the 396. Oh, 392, sorry. Uh, you know, you drive the lower trims with the regular V8, and, and it's just as good. It's probably more than most people need, and it's more drivable. So, you know, like anything, it's it's no different with electric. You hear these numbers, and it's like, wow, that's the greatest thing ever. But nobody is going to use 
zero to sixty in three seconds. Right. The opportunities are few and few and far between. Right. Right. And if you you know, thankfully the Hummer has rubber floors because you know if you if you're out launching doing zero to sixties in three seconds, you're gonna have your kids throwing up all over the place every time you go out. So so you know it's 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 great to hear, but you know it's sort of overkill in some ways. Like I said, it's beyond what most people can use. But uh, on that note, what do you think? We think we'll wrap this one up. You think this is a in the bag, so to speak? Yeah. In the can. We'll catch you next time. All right. We'll catch you next time on the EV Power Podcast. Don't forget, you can check us out at rpmnewsweekly.com and also evpower.com. So uh, we'll see you all later. Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly. Or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com. 